Open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter number 4. Actually, we're going to begin with the last verse of chapter 3 because of the connection, and that'll be clear in just a little while. In chapter number 4, we're going to consider Jonah's discovery. Jonah learned some very valuable lessons through this experience. And not only was it a learning process for him, but it's also a great benefit to us if we get the message. Verse number 10 of chapter 3, And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now let's read the first two verses of chapter number 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Now, certainly you would have thought that Jonah would have been the happiest man on earth. No sermon ever preached has met with such amazing success as this. Can you imagine a sermon so brief making such a great impact? And um, I think that's a good evidence of the fact that it's not about the preacher and his abilities. It's about God and what he's able to do. And so we see this great harvest of souls, and uh, it was even commended by the Lord Jesus himself later on. But here, instead of rejoicing, I don't know what preacher, you know, wouldn't rejoice whenever you get up and you preach and you see things happen. It's like, wow, praise the Lord. I mean, uh, it, it makes you feel great. But whenever you go on and on and on and on and nothing happens, it, you know, it uh, has a way of dragging you down. Well, you would have thought Jonah would have been, you know, high-fiving everybody and just rejoicing and uh, happy about it all instead, notice he, verse 1, he was very angry. That, uh, that word that the Hebrew word comes from means very hot, burn, fret, grieve. We, we, we would say back in Missouri, he's madder than an old wet hen. So, you know, however you want to put it, that's what's going on. He is really angry. And verse 2 explains what the problem was and, and, and really what his problem had been all along. And he confesses that. He, had, he admits to it because from the very beginning, he was afraid that God was going to spare them. And that's what he was worried about. And uh, that's what he did not want to happen And the question is why. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm coming to Jonah's defense, 
But I do want you, and I think all of us, ought to try to understand what the situation was. Remember, these people were the bitty, the bitter enemies. Uh, get my tang tangle up there. They were the bitter enemies of the Israelites. And, you know, it's hard for us to think about that, you know, in, in our day and age. We, you know, live in America, supported and protected by the greatest army in all, all of the world. But, uh, boy, whenever we think about Israel's situation, their national security depended upon, uh, upon you know, what happened and, and their, their enemies. And so... Uh, it was kind of like uh, this morning, Ingrid was telling me a great story this morning in regards to the, her situation there in Germany and uh, how that, you know, as most of you know, Hitler just loaded up people, took them off and, uh, and did away with them. Well, her grandmother was one of those that, uh, that Hitler did away with. Uh, she was spared, and so her daddy came and picked her up, brought her back home some way or another. I, I don't know the details of it, was able to get her back home. And, uh, and anyway, she became a Christian and later on got to the point that God was really dealing with her because she had such hatred and bitterness in her heart toward Hitler. For, and, we, you know, we all understand that, right? But, but it doesn't make it right for us to try to live with bitterness and hatred in our heart. And she told the remarkable story this morning about how God dealt with her and that she was literally, God enabled her to get to the point that she forgave Hitler for, for what he had done. Now that's making it personal whenever you realize it. So understand that here is a man that is fearful for the welfare of his nation. Here is a man that has been an eyewitness to the atrocities of, of these people of Nineveh. He knows what they can do. And he is scared to death that some way or another they're going to escape the wrath of God. And so he was reluctant to go into the city. And even after he did, and he delivered his message, uh, his greatest fear, his greatest fear came true. The people repented. And he is disappointed about it. Uh, you know, it is really amazing how angry, how bitter that we can that we can get toward people. And sometimes, you know, we we don't want to admit that. I, I can remember a time in thinking and, and, and telling people, you know, that I, yeah, I'm over that. I'm not bitter about it. You know, and, and you, you kind of feel that way for a week or maybe a month. And all of a sudden, something happens that just brings it all back. And uh, you find yourself again bitter towards someone. Let me tell you, for your own sake, whatever it is, whatever it is, regardless of how bad it is, you can't keep hanging on to that. You can't afford to. Because in the first place, you're not going to be, you know, your anger, your bitterness toward the other person doesn't hurt them at all. They, they probably don't even know it. They might not even know who you are. But yet they did something that hurt you deeply. Or they might know who you are and they might know what you did, but they really don't care. And, and you getting mad, I mean, that's their greatest delight, making you miserable. 
and you know, and you fall right into the trap. But not only that, and I've often said that sometimes we allow the failure of others to become our downfall. And there are some times that when people do us wrong, we develop an attitude that is so wrong, so bad, that it brings us down to their level and we become no better than the people that we're criticizing. So here is Jonah, and it might be, you know, on the outside that the Ninevites looked like that uh, they were a whole lot worse than he was, but on the inside, he is so angry and so bitter, he does not even want them to get the opportunity to make things right with God. And boy, I'll tell you, when the person gets like that, they're in bad shape. And Jonah was in bad shape at this point. Now, verse number 3, notice his dejection here and. It begins with the request, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. He is in such a state of deep depression. Remember, he's in deep depression because God blessed. He's in deep depression because people were delivered from the wrath of God. And he is so depressed about it. No, he's praying to die. I don't even want to live anymore. You know, I'm just going to give up on life. And it shows what a terrible frame of mind that a person can get in. And by the way, he's not the only one. Elijah had that problem. A lot of great people have got to that point, you know, in life so discouraged, so distraught over something that, you know, at least in their mind, they're thinking there's not even, even any reason for me to continue to exist. And that's exactly what he's going on. But notice the remorse here. It says, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, here's the whole problem in a nutshell. Notice what he said. Better for me. It's never supposed to be about me. And and this is why he's so troubled. He's thinking about himself instead of thinking about the great blessing of all of these people being delivered. He's thinking about himself. It's better for me. I would be better off just, you know, out of this world. And so he's basically praying, Lord, just go ahead and take me home. So many times, you know, people talk about the coming of the Lord and and, you know, they get so tired at the, at the world and so upset and so discouraged. It's like, boy, I just wish the Lord would come. You, you know, their primary interest is not the Lord coming. Their primary interest, interest evidently is just to get out of all of this trouble. You know, well, the Lord, remember, he said there in John chapter number 17, he speaking to the Father, and I pray not that you take them out of this world, but that you leave them in this world. I'm going to leave them here. I want them to stay here. You know, I I'm, I just pray for their strength that they can, you know, endure the trials and do the work and accomplish the goal. And, 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 and so the Lord leaves us here and exposes us. Remember, I'm talking about his own children, people that he loved and people that he died for, and he leaves us here in this troubled world. Why why would he do that? He does that because we're to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Amen? He does that because people need what we have, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you're a Christian, there's always a good reason for you to be here on this earth. And when there's not a good reason, you won't need to worry about it. God will answer your prayer before you even pray it, and he'll, he'll go ahead and take you home. But if he has you here, he has you here for a reason. Now, notice in verse number 4, our attention is turned to his delight. And notice in, in verse number 4, uh, the Lord says, Doest thou well to be angry? You know, God has a way of really making us think, Right? Doest thou well to be angry? Now, the answer to that question is obvious, and that is that Jonah's not justified in his anger at all. But the point is, God calls us on the carpet. God holds us accountable for our attitude and our actions. And then notice his response to that in verse number 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow until he might see what would become of the city. Boy, if that doesn't sound like a five-year-old, I don't know what does. This, this, this is amazing. And so just try to picture him sitting out there in under that little hut or that little lean-to, you know, that he has constructed and tried to, you know, get him some shade. And he's just sitting there. And what's he doing? He's going to wait and see what happens next. He's going to wait and see what God is going to do. I guess he's hoping God will change his mind again and kill all of those people. I, you know, I, I don't know. But notice in verse number 6, And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. And so Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now... <laughs> Boy, whenever God decides to do something, He can do it in a hurry, right? Now, I know gourds can grow fast, but this is amazing. I mean, all of a sudden, this gourd begins to grow, and, and, and all of a sudden, He's sitting in the shade, and He is just as happy as a lark. It says He's exceedingly glad because He has this shade. Remember, his skin's probably bleached out from the acid in the whale's belly, you know, and, and so he's been exposed to the sun. He's probably physically miserable, and uh, now he's depressed. And so now he's sitting there in the shade. Isn't it amazing how little things can suddenly transform our attitude just sitting in the shade and it's like he's a different guy now he's humming a tune and whittling on a stick and just everything's all right now and all because of a little bit of shade but now notice things change quickly verse number seven god prepared a worm and smote the gourd that it withered and the lord gave and the lord had taken away job said remember that and, and boy, this is true. This is a perfect picture of that. God provided a gourd that provided the shade for, for Jonah, and Jonah is, is, you know, basking in the comfort of the shade, and then God prepared a worm, and the worm ate up the gourd, and now he's, uh, he's back in the sunshine and miserable. Remember, he, he, he points out the fact that he had camped on the east side of the city, and then it tells us that he sent an east wind. 
And that made, you know, made it impossible for the structures of the city to break the force of the wind. And, you know, God could have sent the wind from any direction, right? But He didn't. I mean, he, He's bringing the full force of the wind down on Him. And, and now Jonah in his grief, verse 8, He wished in Himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Boy, I mean, just back and forth and back and forth. He's happy, he's sad, and now here he is again, so miserable that he's just praying that he could die. Now that brings us down near the very end, beginning here in verse number 9. And I want you to see the Lord's response to this. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry? For the gourd, and he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. And so just like before, remember, here we see that, that God is responding to, to Jonah's complaint. And, and he does so by asking this question. You know, it's a good question. Doest thou well to be angry? And we need to stop and think about that and, and ask ourselves, regardless of the situation we're in, whether or not, you know, we're justified in having the attitude that we have. And, you know, most of the time we have to confess, you know, I, I, look, I'm really off base. I'm, I'm just, my attitude's not right. It's not what it ought to be. He said, I do well to be angry even unto death. And now comes the rebuttal from the Lord, beginning in verse 10. Then said the Lord... Now, you know, God could have just said uh, that, you know, that's it, end of story. I'm through with you. I, I don't even want to hear anymore. But God's trying to teach him here, and he said to him, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored. You didn't do anything, to, you didn't plant the seed, you didn't grow the gourd, you didn't have anything to do with it. I did all of it, and I provided the, the shade for you. And he said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for that which thou hast not labored, and neither madest it to grow, which came up in the night, and perished in the night, and should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score Thousand persons, a hundred and twenty thousand people, now listen carefully, that cannot discern between the right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Now, now I take it that these hundred and twenty thousand were children. He's not talking about, you know, a hundred and twenty thousand ignorant adults that didn't know their right hand from their left hand. He's talking about 120,000 children that were not old enough yet to recognize the right hand from the left hand. And here, here is Jonah complaining about all of these things, complaining about the fact that God took away the gourd instead of rejoicing that 120,000 of those little innocent children were spared as a result of what had happened. It's really easy for us to get our priorities all out of whack and lose sight of what's really important. Now, let me give you seven things in conclusion, seven important lessons that we've learned from this. Number one, God never ignores sin. 
God never ignores sin. We, 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 we never get away with it. Uh, there's a payday someday. He always holds us accountable. And, you know, there might be times that we, we think that we've hidden our sin, but it's never hidden from the all-seeing eye of God. He knows exactly what's going on in our life. It might be tucked away in the deep, dark recesses of our heart. It hasn't broken out into some overt action yet. Uh, It's not out there for somebody else to see, but it's in the heart. And because it's in the heart, God is displeased. We talked about that this morning. You know, you haven't murdered anyone, but that hatred, that bitterness, that anger is in the heart And God is displeased with it. God does not ignore sin. The second lesson, maybe this ought to be number one on the list actually, is that God loves people. God loves people. Whenever we think about Hitler, for example, and we think about the most evil, wicked, ungodly people that we've we've ever known or that we can even imagine And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that as bad as they were, Jesus loved them enough to shed His precious blood on the cross of Calvary for them. That's how much He loved them. God loves people regardless of how we feel about them. God loves them. And by the way, the very fact that God loves them ought to affect our attitude toward them. So God doesn't ignore sin. God loves people. But then number three, duties can be difficult, really difficult. I said a while ago, I wasn't, you know, I'm not trying to let Jonah off the hook and excuse him for his sorry attitude at all, but I think it's, uh, I think it does us good to try to understand why he felt the way he did. Because a lot of times in life we're faced with those difficult situations where someone has highly offended us, they've done us wrong, or maybe they didn't hurt us, but they, they hurt somebody that we love. You know, sometimes that hurts more than someone taking direct action against us. I mean, if you don't believe it, just hurt some mother's child. And, boy, you you know, you might get by with embarrassing them or hurting them, but when it comes to their children, they're going to come to their defense. You know, that's just the way that it works. And uh, it's our duties, our responsibilities are extremely difficult sometimes and so whenever God sends Jonah there this this was not something that was easy for him to do so many times we think well you know if I'm serving the Lord if I've really surrendered my life to God you know I I wouldn't be having all of these problems all of these troubles everything ought to be easy Uh, I don't know where we get that idea it wasn't easy on the cross for Christ amen I mean, that's about as difficult as anything can get, right? About as unjust as anything can be, and yet he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. Why? Because of the fact that he cared about people. The number four, prejudice is a great hindrance. Prejudice is a great hindrance. Jonah was prejudiced against these people. He despised these people. You know, and he can he can try all he wants to trying to justify 
you know, his attitude, but there's never any justification for us hating and despising a fellow human being. We ought to love God enough that we respect other people. We don't have to agree with them about everything, uh, but we certainly ought to be respectful of them. And whenever, whenever, you know, we develop a prejudicial attitude toward other people, we're cutting our own throat, so to speak. We not only make ourselves miserable, but we cut off all opportunity to be of any help to other people. Uh, I, I, I was really shocked many years ago when we moved to Tennessee, and it was right after all of the race riots down there when, when in that particular town, the uh, in the riots, they had burned the police cars and all of that. And, and, and at first when we moved there, I was amazed by the awful attitude that so-called Christians had toward people of a different color. And it was just amazing to me. I, I mean, hey, I'd come from the Ozarks, and uh, the president of my senior class was a, was a black kid. And... Uh, uh, and this was right at the end, you know, the, the, the year or two before I graduated, we had old Lincoln High School, which that's where the blacks went. All of the whites went to Central. They built a new high school and uh, and, and put, you know, the blacks and the whites all together and uh, didn't bother us. We had, we, had, we had some good football players out there, I'm telling you what, we... The, some of the best singers, you know, the most popular act uh, uh, was uh, the men's quartet that would get up and sing. And I, I'm saying all that for a reason. You know, uh, I, I, we, we moved out of that into Tennessee, into the, heart of the, into the heart of the hate and the bitterness and the anger. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's an ugly thing. Prejudice is a horrible, terrible, ugly thing, regardless. And it might have something to do with not the color of the skin, but it can have to do with our attitude toward people that are richer than we are or people that are poorer than we are or people that are different than we are in some way. And we've got to be on guard constantly against having a prejudicial attitude because just just like the situation with Jonah. I mean, here's a man that not only hurt himself, but a man it was a shame and a disgrace to the kingdom of God for one of God's people to behave that way. But that brings us to the next thought, and that's the fact that God can and does use imperfect people. Isn't that amazing? You know, to think about the fact that God, God cared enough that He gave Jonah a second chance. And whenever we stop and think about it, that, you know, we're all imperfect, and yet God wants to use each and every one of us. I, I'm so glad we don't have to, you know, meet a certain out-of-this-world standard of some kind in order for God to use us. But if we're just willing, God will make us able. Uh, God might not allow us to do the things that we want to do, but He'll enable us to do the things that we ought to do. And that, really, when you get down to it, that's all that matters. That's all in, that's important, that we do what we ought to do as a child of God. And God can use you regardless of how imperfect you are. In fact, God has chosen, Paul said, the foolish things of this world, the weak things of this world, you know, 
the things that, you know, nobody can boast about. He's chosen those kind of people to use because the end product is what? Well, God gets the glory for it instead of us. So God uses imperfect people. Not only that, but number six, unlikely fields are sometimes the most fruitful, the most productive. Unlikely fields. You know, if somebody had said to uh, to Jonah, Jonah, uh, we really need to get God's word out to the, you know, the areas out outside of our locale here, and we need to tell others about about the Lord. And well, put it in our modern day situation, we need to start a church, you know, over in some other county or in some other little town. They don't have an independent Baptist church. We need to start one there. And uh, so, you know, if, if Jonah had been thinking like preachers nowadays, he would have thought, well, I wonder what the demographics of that area, uh, I wonder what they might be. I wonder how receptive the people there would be uh, to my message. I, I, I wonder if it would be productive. You know, and so what I'm saying is we generally try to to figure it all out in our minds so as we can be as successful as possible. And the, I guarantee you the last place Jonah would have, would have suggested was Nineveh. If somebody said, well, you know, Jonah, why, why don't we go somewhere and start to work? And Jonah, you know, said, well, how about Nineveh? Let's just go there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I hear they need the Word of God. Let's, let's go there and preach to them. No, certain fields can be extremely difficult, and, uh, and yet that can be the most productive place on the face of the earth for us. I, I think about, you know, the church building being over there on Bender Road back in the middle of nowhere. I mean, my land, that's a, I know there was a time that it wasn't that bad, but after a while when everything around it developed, that's about the worst location anybody could have ever chosen uh, in, in that area. And, and yet, and yet, there's no telling how many hundreds of souls, and thousands even, that were saved over, over all of these years, uh, you see. God didn't say, you know, I want you to go where it's easy. I want you to go where it's popular. He wants us to go where we're needed. And then, and then lastly, we need to be more concerned about others than we are about ourselves. That's what it gets down to. Jonah was thinking about himself and he was thinking about his people. And God was thinking about those wicked, cruel, ungodly Ninevites. God cared about them. And Jonah never became useful to the Lord until he got on the same page with God. And you and I, as we think about our ministry, whatever it is, we need to be more concerned about the people that we minister to than we are about ourselves. And and, and as long as we make it all about us, as long as we try to make it as easy as we can on us, you mark it down, We'll, we'll never become the church that God wants us to be. And that's why we need not fear any enemy. We need not, we need not reject any challenge. Whatever it is, the most important thing is to find out, is this what God wants us to do? And if it is, we need to tackle it 
head on. Because if God, if God sends us there to do it, God will enable us to do what He commands. So, uh, God cares about people and God cares so much that He wants to use you and me and this church to reach others for Christ. So I hope that throughout this journey that, that all of us have been reminded of how important people are to God. And uh, a lot of times they'll disappoint us and hurt us, even intentionally. But we need to, we need to understand that, that God cares enough about them that He gave His only Son. And because He did, we need to give our very best. Let's all stand together. Father, we thank You tonight for Your loving kindness and all of Your many blessings. And Lord, I, we thank You for Your Word that not only encourages our heart, but it enlightens our mind. And I just pray tonight that each and every one of us, having gone through the book of Jonah, that we might go away from here uh, being the better for it. May we tonight, with all of our heart, dedicate ourselves to the ministry of reaching those people that you love so dearly. God, help us to never despise them. Help us to not feel sorry for ourselves, but help us to make an unconditional surrender to be used in your service to reach those for whom Christ died. For we pray in his precious name. Amen. Let's